You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. One of the things I've been talking about recently is how it seems that there are more and more new collectors coming into the hobby or returning to the hobby, and today's guest is one of those people. I wanted to interview Adam Palmer because he's somebody who's recently started collecting again within the last couple years, but he's jumped right into producing content, and he started his own podcast, he started a TikTok channel, and so I wanted to talk to him about what it's like producing content as a relatively new collector, and so we'll go ahead and do that when we come back from the break. Starstock is a new trading card marketplace which is preparing to go live in April. Their goal is to be a faster and cheaper solution to sell cards, and they're looking for sellers who want to be some of the first to have their cards available for sale at launch. I'm going to be testing the platform with my own submission. They're offering a 5% sales commission with no other submission or processing fees. You send in your cards, and they do all the work. Cards are insured and stored in a vault, and you can have your cards shipped to you at any time. You'll be able to buy, store, or flip cards at the push of a button. If you're interested in learning more about getting involved as a seller and getting your cards onto the site for launch, contact Mike Kuchera via email at mike at starstock.com. They're looking for sellers who have rookie and prospect cards of current players for the major sports. For more details, contact Mike Kuchera at mike at starstock.com or go to www.starstock.com. Well, welcome back from that break. Today, we've got another interview, and it's somebody that I've been following for several months now um, on social media. He's got a podcast of his own. Uh, one of the things that impresses me is he is continuing to build a TikTok following, but he loves to talk about cards and some of the business side of buying and selling cards, too. And so please welcome to the show, Adam Palmer. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Hey. Hey, I'm glad we were able to connect and chat a little bit, you know, from what I've heard on your show, uh, you've got kind of an interesting story, I think, when it comes to collecting and buying and selling cards. So I thought it would be great for us to be able to just chat a little bit. And maybe we can start just with a little bit about you and how you got started collecting and buying and selling and that type of thing. Sure. So for for the audience, it's uh, Heroes for Sale. Uh, if, if that, cause it's funny when I was, when I was on Gary V's show, uh, a bunch of people like reached out to me and they were like, I totally recognize your voice. And like in, <laughs> in my head, I was like, how did they recognize my voice? And then I'm like, Oh wait, I have like a hundred, I have like a hundred episodes of a podcast. That's probably, probably how they recognized it. So right. that was, I was like, now that it makes sense a little bit. Um, but so how I got started with cards specifically, I was, I was playing a lot of like diamond dynasty and Madden ultimate team actually. And okay. then I was like, get, I was interested in Gary V also. And he was talking about his like card shows as a kid. So that's how I kind of got into like looking into cards a little bit. And then I was buying uh, like packs from retail stores. And this was like way, way back. So like now obviously I realized buying packs isn't necessarily a great, uh, great way to spend your money on cards. But like, I was playing these other the Madden Ultimate Team and Diamond Dynasty, and I was like, I was mostly using the market, like playing the market with the cards, like flipping them, and I'm like, 
there's got to be a way to do this in real life. And then that's when I kind of just got down the rabbit hole and realized that I had no idea what I was getting myself into. How long ago was that? So that was probably in like, like April of 2018. Okay. So you aren't kind of one of those stereotypical stories that we hear a lot of times as somebody who collected when you were young and went away from it, you really didn't even start to, to venture into this until a couple of years ago. Well, so I, I, I mean, I guess I did collect like when I was younger, but like collect in the sense that like I would go to like flea markets and buy like those $8, like thousand count card boxes. Um, mm -hmm. And it wasn't till like when I got back into cards, I was like, dad, do we still have these cards? And he's like, yeah, they're somewhere in the basement basement. And we found them. And I was like flipping through them. I'm like, these, this a thousand count box has to have some good stuff in it. And it wasn't until I started going through it and I was halfway through and I hadn't found one good card. I'm like, Oh, the, the person that I bought it from just took out all the good rookie cards basically. Uh, uh but so okay. like as a kid, I did a little bit of collecting and actually, so the, I did more probably Pokemon collecting as a kid. Um, and okay. the, the name heroes for sale is actually a, uh, tribute to the card store that I used to go to as a kid too. So like, that's kind of another, uh, fun fact about the name. Okay. So then, it, but it was more than in 2018 when you came back, it was prompted more from the desire to start to, to buy and sell and, and flip a little bit. Yeah, or? Yes. And, and I also was into graphic design. Like that's what I went to college for. So like I was interested in the design of the cards and kind of, I saw the tops design and then I started looking into it more and I realized obviously how many different designs there were. So like that was another thing that kind of drew me in was uh, like the actual card design. And so then when you said, when you first got back, you, you started by buying a few retail packs. How did that progression change? Or I guess how long did you kind of go down that path before you started to, you know, explore other sourcing avenues? So the pack buying, I was basing like my pack buying off of like how many cards were in the pack based and then how much the pack cost. And I was like, oh, so this one has more and it's less. So maybe it's good. So like I had no idea. And then when I kind of started because I think it was it was around Tops like Series One, uh, Tops opening day time. So like I was buying mm -hmm. Series One and opening day packs, and I think I just wanted to try and sell the cards. And then I realized like like there wasn't much value in the base cards themselves. And that's kind of when I got into like, well, what cards are valuable? And then I got into well, what maybe opening day isn't as valuable as uh, Series One, and why is that? And that's sort of how it kind of mm -hmm. started. And and from there, I kind of just kept moving in that direction, I guess. And so then as you were, you know, returning to the hobby and, and trying to figure that out, I'm curious, what, where did you go to try to learn and, and build that knowledge? Were there any websites or magazines or podcasts or things like that, that you had found that were kind of helping educate you? So a couple things. So I think there was one of the podcasts that I got into was Mojo Breaks. Uh, that was one of the first mm -hmm. podcasts I heard. And then, uh, one of, I, I don't remember if you had him on your show or if you were on his show, but let me get that podograph was the second one that I listened to, uh, that I was, that okay. I, that's how I was getting a lot of my information. And then check out my cards was another one of the big places that I was looking at and learning, uh, base cards and like what, which cards were worth what, and like what cards were good and stuff like that. So like, those were probably the three main sources of like when I was first getting acclimated to cards back again, I guess.
And so then at what point in that process did you decide that you wanted to start to create your own content? So I had been creating content on a different account. So I, like I said, I was in, I did graphic design in college. So I had a, like I was doing sports design um, and not like professionally, but just as like a hobby. Uh, and I had been growing an Instagram account that was my own sports design since like probably March of 2017 up until when I first started this, like till May of 2018. And actually what ended up happening was my computer broke. So like I was looking for a way to still make content and it just happened to be at that time I was getting back into cards. And also one thing that I found is that creating content is one way that is one of the best ways I found for myself that helps me learn. So like that was also another thing, like when I was starting to create the card content, that's how I was like learning the market and learning products, stuff like that. So you were kind of learning along, along with it as you were going. Correct. And yeah, so you now today almost post daily content, if not daily, between the, the podcast itself and TikTok and the things that you're doing there. Um, and it seems very... I don't know if this is the way you would describe it. This is the way that I would describe it. Very like using a stream of consciousness kind of approach. That's, to it. I, that's honestly, that's, I've never heard it explained that way before, but that's, I say that's a perfect way to describe it. Is that intentional? Like, is that the approach that you wanted to take when you got started or is that just kind of how it's evolved? So I, when I first was making the card content, it was all, um, it was all, reviewing card designs. So for the first like six months of the content, it was all just like, I, I would look at the stats of who was, who, who was the most popular, not uh, who had the best day. And then I would go to, uh, there's another website called the trading card database that has like just any card mm -hmm. you can think of. So I would go to that player's specific uh, page and I would just scroll through their designs until I found one that I thought was interesting. And then from there, I would like look into the design a little bit more. Um, and then I kind of write a mini review about the design and kind of my thoughts. So like, if you go, if you scroll down on my Instagram to like the very beginning, that's where you'll see a lot of that. But then it kind of got into, I think, you know, I'm not really sure. Cause like, I think there, there was sort of like a known shift that I took where I was just like, I'm just going to talk about what I want to talk about. And mm -hmm. even if I don't necessarily think that other people will be interested in it, if I continue to talk about stuff that I'm interested in and people follow me for that, then I think other people will think what I'm talking about is interesting. And, and cause if I were to just do like, like, and I, I don't think it's like hard if I were to just go to eBay, like, and I do do this sometimes, like if I just go to eBay and you find like the highest listing or like, just random stuff from eBay every single day. Like that's not what I want to talk about every day. So I, I just want to talk about basically what I want to talk about. And I think that's kind of my thought process behind some of the content sometimes. So when you started, it wasn't necessarily even about the business side or the buying and selling or any of that type of thing. Um, you started more talking about the design and those aspects of it. At what point did you kind of pivot that content to start to focus more on on the the values and the buying and the selling and that type of so thing? there is let me think it's probably i mean it's it was pretty it was more it wasn't like a for that specifically i don't think there was a specific moment i think it was more of just like i 
I did consciously at one point say I wasn't going to be talking about the market anymore because I didn't, I didn't understand it as well. Like I was doing mm -hmm. a lot of, um, like I'd say something and then I would be completely incorrect about what I said. So like I would, mm -hmm. I just went back to just talking about like hobby stuff and just talking about design stuff and kind of learning in the background until I felt comfortable enough that then I kind of started talking about more market related and kind of more uh, buying and selling type content. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to say that that's probably one of the potential risks of that stream of consciousness approach, right? Is that you're talking about what's, what's going on, what you're thinking about, what comes to mind, but that opens up that potential that since it's not a, a, a pre-researched item or whatever, that there could be things like you said, that, might not be a hundred percent accurate or uh, might not be quite right. Have, have you found that to be a challenge at all in, in creating content? Well, I mean, I think like you said, with the stream of consciousness type of stuff, it's more like I'm doing it in a way to learn. So like if I, if I'm incorrect uh -huh. about something, then I just, I, then I just am like, I don't know. It, I, I, I try my best not to, like put out something that I don't think is correct. Like I would only put something out if I know, if I think it's correct. And then if it's not on the back end, like I think there's been a couple times where like I can think of like I saw, like this is maybe one specific instance where like earlier, earlier this year, I saw that uh, they put out the uh, early images for Bowman Chrome in September. And I thought they were putting mm -hmm. out the images for the Bowman baseball. So like, there was a Luis Robert uh, Bowman card with his rookie logo. And I thought that was coming out in April's release of Bowman. Um, and I, I had this whole post and I put the whole thing out. I was like, it's crazy that they're changing up. Tops is like changing up what they're doing about how they're releasing these mm -hmm. rookie cards. Like, because like last year, Vlad Jr. And like all the top rookies had a prospect card in April's Bowman. And then September is when they got the, RC logo on their Bowman card because I'm that's one thing I'm interested in, in Bowman cards. So like I'm doing a, sometimes with that type of stuff, I, if I'm more interested in a certain topic, I'll do a little bit more research. But with that one yeah. specifically, I, I found out after the fact when I put the post out that the image that I had been using the with the Luis Robert rookie logo was actually a preview image for September's release and not April's release. So like that was the moment where I was like, oh, so I was like just completely wrong about the whole whole thing that I was talking about okay. and from there. It's basically just like, I don't know. It's just, if I'm, if I'm wrong about it, then I just, I, I'll, I just accept that I'm wrong and I kind of have to move on, I guess. And, uh, sure. But that's kind of my thought process behind, like, if I'm wrong about something, I'm all right being wrong. It's just, it, it's, it's a moment for me to sit back and be like, okay, well now I, now I know what's, what's real and what's not real. Have you found that your listeners and your, your followers are, do, do they tend to engage more when it's, when it's that, you know, the style that you have, do, do you get a lot of questions and engagement and things like that, that, that are coming back to you, you know, is kind of almost continuing that conversation? Um, I mean, sometimes, sometimes like if it's like soccer, I felt like that happens a lot. Like when I'm talking about soccer stuff, um, because I, I feel like the mm -hmm. soccer card community is very engaging. Um, so like if I do an episode okay. about soccer, there's probably, I'll probably get like two or three DMS of people like either asking me a question about something I said on the show or 
Um, they'll ask like, or, or they'll ask about an opinion about a player and stuff like that. But I, I've noticed that it, it does kind of depend on the topic. Like most of the time I'm looking for trending topics to talk about, or if it's something that interests me, interests me and it's trending, obviously that's even better, but, um, it does kind of depend on the topic itself of when there's questions or how engaging. Cause like I've tried not to, like I, I'm really bad at this actually is posting the episodes on my Twitter and uh, I'll try and post them on my Instagram story, but I don't post them on the feed. And I do on TikTok sometimes we'll post it, but like sometimes I don't. So like I can be bad sometimes at like, <laughs> like uh, showing the content to everybody. So that's kind of sometimes where I won't get as much engagement if I just like forget to not even really forget. It's just like, I'm already working on the next piece. Like that's one thing that, is another thing. It's like with the Louise Robert thing, I was already then just working on whatever the next thing was going to be. So like, that's something that I tend to do sometimes as well. So I, one of the things that I like to try to do and try to highlight on the show and on the, the blog is kind of combining both the business and the personal side of collecting, you know, both the hobby and the business together. And so I was curious a little bit, you know, uh, the, you know, the, the values, the buying and selling is a big part of a lot of the content that you produce. Also, I was hoping maybe we could chat just a little bit about some of those business related goals that you might have both for your own collection and for um, the show and your content and that type of thing. Because I think there's people who are interested in and in how to balance those things and how to develop both of those things at the same time. And so just curious from the from your own collection, um, are there specific things that you buy to keep and buy to collect? And then also, what are some of those strategies that you have tried to implement when it comes to, to profiting from the buying? Sure. So, cards? I mean, my strategy overall is like buying and holding stuff. I didn't really get okay. seriously into buying until probably early, mid, probably like, like maybe April or May, June-ish of last year, like, a lot of the stuff I was buying was like cheaper, lower end stuff when I first got back into it. Um, but I was buying a lot of like vintage basketball over the summer, which I've, and if, any, if anybody has bought any vintage basketball, they've seen pretty significant gains from that. So like that was something that was something in my, sure. in my research, like when I was doing it, I was comparing, I was comparing like LeBron's prices to some of these vintage cards. And like, I, I know that that market back then, like the, uh, the nineties market is, was low at the time because people were not exactly buying like stuff from the, the junk wax era. But like I bought, I was, I was buying like shacks. I bought some stuff like that. Um, and I'd sold, I mean, I sold, I bought this, I think I bought the shacks for like 25 to 30 a piece. I bought a couple of them and I sold all of them already for like, I think, I think maybe I sold probably total. I sold them for like 250 for all three of them. And I maybe, I maybe bought them for 90. So like that was one of the specifics for like buying and selling. But I mean, I, I found that I probably eventually will start like a, a, like a collection of stuff that I don't want to sell. But like for me, anything that I'm buying, I am probably, unless it has some sort of sentimental value, like I'm probably buying to eventually sell. Like I bought like a, like a Derek mm -hmm. Lowe Bowman card uh, because when I was a kid, I, when the Red Sox hadn't won any world series. So these group tickets were super cheap. Like I was lucky enough. My parents bought like this group package for like a bunch of my friends to go. And it just happened that we went to Derek Lowe's no hitter at Fenway park. 
and Derek Lowe happened to play in a pro-am, uh, a pro-am golf tournament. So like I've, I met him a bunch of times. So like I had him sign the, the ticket stub and I had him sign like a Bowman card. So like I saw that Bowman card was like three or four bucks on eBay. So I bought that, but like for the most part, like other than, other than that, like for the most part, it's all kind of buying and selling or buying to hold and then eventually sell. Like I don't really have a personal collection just yet. I think eventually maybe, but like not right yet, not, not yet. So most of your buying and selling of the cards themselves is with that profit potential in mind. That's, that's cool. I think there's a, a growing segment of the collecting community or the card community where that is the, the focus right now. What about from the content creation side of things? Is that something that you're putting intentionality around as far as growing your following and building the audience and that type of thing with the, the desire for that to be kind of a monetary return? Or you're, are you doing that more just to have fun and, and, and share knowledge or, or a combination of the two or, or what's the, so I would say it's a combination of the two. I mean, you can't have one, like for me, at least there isn't one without the other. Like, I think eventually I would like the, the content itself to be like monetizable. So there are times where like Mm -hmm. I see stuff on like Twitter or Instagram and I would like, maybe, maybe it's on, maybe it's more on the negative stuff. I would like to say something about that and be like, no, like that's not correct. Or like, I disagree with like maybe a negative comment or point. And I try, I have to hold myself back because like, I think it's very easy to, um, I think, I think the, one of the main differences between like the content and business side, and then like some collectors and people on Twitter and Instagram who kind of just have their account for fun, like for like people like you and me, it's like, a, it's a business. And for people like them, it's just like a mm-hmm. thing that they have on the side that like maybe nobody even knows about. So like for them, it's maybe easier to do it's It's maybe easier to comment on something that they may not agree with and be a little bit, be a little bit more on the negative side where I try and stay away from some of that stuff. And I guess, I mean, like I said, I think it's, it's a combination of, it's, it's fun. And I mean, without it being fun, I don't think I would do it, but like, there's also, I'm trying to figure out a way to monetize the content eventually, but like growing the audience, I think is growing the audience and monetizing the audience is extremely hard, at least from my perspective of what I've seen. So like, I don't think you can do both at the same time. So that's why I pretty much just focused on like growing, but also like engaging with the audience as well. That's one of the big things that I think I've noticed when I'm like, and I, I'm using quotation marks, growing the audience is more of like, it's more a um, right. depth rather than width, I guess, kind of. What have you found that has worked for you so far? You know, there's a lot of us out there that are either new to, to some aspect of content creation or, or new, brand new to the whole thing. You know, are there specific things that you've found so far? Yeah, so that have with content, well I think you have to, the, I, I would say, okay, here we go. Here's the biggest thing for content. You have to care about someone else before they're going to care about you. That's what I found has been the biggest kind of um, maybe what's kind of the word I'm looking for? Like insight. Yeah, exactly. So like if, if you're going out and engaging with other people, then they're going to see your stuff. And if your content is good, then they're going to want to either engage with it or follow you. But like, it's hard to like, it's, it's almost like sales. Cause it's like, if you, if you're trying to grow your account, but you're going out to other places and you're saying like, uh, Hey, follow me here or something like that. Like they're, 
there's no reason you're not giving them a good reason to really follow you. Like, unless you've engaged with them a couple times and they maybe mm-hmm. know who you are and then you're like, Oh, like, don't, I also have this Instagram. Like that's one way. But like, I found if you want to grow, like just go out and comment on a hundred posts a day, like in on posts that either you follow or you don't follow. And I, I it's almost a 100% guarantee that that's how you can, that's how you can grow. Like if you're creating content. Yeah, I think I think that's a great idea. That engagement, I think, is is something that I found to be helpful and and successful as well. You know, you talked about buying and selling some of the chat cards. One of the things I appreciated about you that actually you know prompted um, some interest for me to to do some additional research was the the talk about the soccer cards and some of the soccer card market. Are there any particular card sets, sports that you've had the most fun in researching and figuring out what you wanted to try to buy and, and hold to ultimately sell? And are, are there any particular things that stand out to you that you've enjoyed the most as you've dug in and, and so got I your would hands say dirty with some of these? Probably number one. Uh, close second is definitely basketball. But I think the one thing with soccer that I found that is like, it's probably one of the it's one of the hardest, hardest things to like replicate the feeling of like with soccer is like, here's, here's what I'll, here's usually what I'll do with soccer. It's like, if I like a player, for example, I'm just going to, a newer guy that I'm kind of following is uh, Kai uh, Hazard. I think his name is, he plays in a German league. So like, I saw like a tweet about him and I was like, there was some stat that was like, he scored the most goals as a 20 year old in the German, like the German league's like the fifth or sixth biggest league in the world. But like he scored the most goals as a 20 year old. So I was like, okay, that's interesting to me. That's something that that's good, obviously. So I'll like look into him. And then I find like, first, I usually will go to check on my cards if I'm looking for cards. So like, then I type his name in to check on my cards. And then I found he has a 2018 optic card with the rated rookie logo. And then I see that there's like a bunch of them that are available for 50 cents. And it's like you or however much they were 50 cents or a dollar. I forget exactly off the top of my head, but like you go and you buy those cards Mm -hmm. and it's like finding there's something about finding the card that isn't like super in demand because it's like with Luca. I mean, it's fairly easy. Like you're probably either going to buy like prism or like optic or select. But like with soccer, I found it's a little bit more complicated, uh, like the layers of like what is determining a rookie card. And it's sometimes with older rookies, like with that one, it was fairly easy. Cause like he 2018, he had a rated rookie card. So like that was, that was the defined rookie card by mm-hmm. Panini in 2018. But like I was looking over the summer at a player like Neymar, who is uh, a little bit older. So I was like looking into his cards and like, I couldn't figure out which card was necessarily his rookie card. And so then like I found like I found one that wasn't exactly a rookie card, but there were a bunch of them available on eBay for like five bucks a piece. So it's like that excitement of finding the card and then seeing it available for a price that you want to pay is something that I found in soccer happens more than basketball, Uh, baseball kind of. But I mean, baseball, like I started out with baseball, so that'll always hold a place for me of like that I'm interested in and I like talking about it. But it's also like I feel like it's the the more complicated uh, of any of the sports just because there's so many different things and it's similar with soccer, but I think that's one reason why I like soccer and then basketball and baseball, but with soccer specifically, that's one reason why I like that one a lot. Yeah. And soccer has, at least currently it has that extra 
flavor, at least in my words, is, is that extra flavor of being one of the more underfollowed sports Abs- yeah, and underfollowed segments of the hobby. And so to me, there's a little bit of excitement that comes from learning about some of the sports that aren't as widely followed and there's, it's not as easy for people to find content on. You know, you, your, your um, episodes in last fall, I think it was, were, were some of the things that fed into me wanting to learn a little bit more about soccer and hearing some other people mention it and hearing a few people locally that I know buy some clearance things. That led to me taking a shot on a couple retail soccer cases that I wrote about a couple weeks ago on my blog. And so you were, you were a, a peripheral contributor to that as part as I was trying to gather as much information that I could on if I even wanted to give this a shot and learn. But like you said, there's a little bit of an excitement there in starting to dig in and do some research and try to learn a little bit more about. Some yeah, of those exactly. I mean, for me, soccer, well. in my opinion, it's just an, it's an, it's an untapped market still. And I think there's still opportunity for people if they want to like the, and the thing about soccer is like, the sport itself is pretty confusing. So like, I understand why people will, would look at the sport and say, I don't really want to get into it because like, it's a whole, it's, it's so much different than like, um, and then like American sports, like basketball and stuff like there's, there's international, there's uh, club teams. There's like all these like turn, they held like 10 tournaments a year. So it's like, it's, it can get confusing. And that's why I could see why people might not want to get into it. But that also for me makes it a little bit more interesting as well. Yeah, and that's part of what I talked about in in that article and in the the podcast episode where I covered it is part of what was keeping me from giving it a chance was knowing that I'm not an expert on the sports or the players themselves, but there's still opportunity to leverage other things that you know about cards, other things that you know about similar sets, other things that you've seen from even some soccer sets or some soccer players that have what they've done in the past and how that might translate to what's available for purchase there. So that even if I would say, even if you're not an expert, don't let that keep you from digging in and doing some research because there's probably still some parallels that you can draw that you can leverage and that you can use, you know, if you're looking to, to take a shot on, on a yeah, particular totally product or a particular player, you know, you're, you're, you know, as we were talking, you know, you're, two years almost into your return to the hobby. You know, you're, like you said, you're creating content partially with the intent to learn as you go and to help share that knowledge and explore ideas with others kind of as you're going. I'm, I'm curious, what else have you done or what are you continuing to do to keep that learning process and continuing to build so your knowledge? For, of I mean, industry? for me, it's almost, it can be random at times, like stuff that I want to learn about. Like, for example, like, I started looking into Shaq cards because randomly over the summer I was looking at Bleacher Reports Instagram or something like that. And there was some story about how Shaq and Kobe like got into a fight. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'll look into Shaq cards. So like it can almost be like random at times when I want to look into something. But it also can be calculated because like something that I have been doing a lot recently is using the filter section on eBay, like just going in through the browse and then filtering through uh, usually I'll do PSA 10 mm-hmm. uh, because that's one thing that I think is pretty cool with eBay filters. If you go through that way, you can, they have all the, inf- they have like all the filter stuff is catered to, to cards. So like PSA 10 is something that you can choose or BGS 95 is something you can choose as an option. And then I'll go through like price. So like, I'll go to like mm-hmm. 
50 to like 200 to like learn new stuff. And if I'm looking for stuff, I'll go like 25 to 75. Uh, Cause that's just my price range of like what I'm looking for, but like the 50 to 200 and then I'll go to the sold section and then I'll kind of scroll through that and I'll see if something catches my eye. And then that's how I kind of start looking into the product a little bit more. But then there's also like random stuff like the, like the tops 2020 project is something that I've been doing some research on recently. Um, and like, that's just because of, I saw tops, it's a new thing that tops came out with. So I wanted to like learn about it. So like there's kind of the two, two yep. ways that I kind of try and learn about new stuff and how something kind of gets onto my radar. Do you do much, um, you know, listening to any other hobby podcasts or the blowout forums or Beckett.com or, you know, any of those yeah, other so I, types of resources too, or no. So or I still listen to like Mojo break of? and, um, but let me get that potograph and I'll listen to breaker culture. Um, I listen to your podcast occasionally, like whenever mm-hmm. I find myself having the time to do it, like, and it's mostly has been on like my commute to work, uh, which I haven't really exactly had recently. So like, yep. so it really is like, I'll have to make time to listen to it. Like recently I've been playing, uh, FIFA. So like, that's been giving me some time to listen to some stuff. Like when I'm, if I'm playing like COD or like Fortnite or something, I have to, I have the headphones in cause I'm listening to the game. But like, if, yeah. if I find opportunities where I can listen to a podcast and do something at the same time, that's when I found myself recently, like listening to more podcasts, but like, it's essentially the same kind of shows that I've been listening to, um, since the beginning. And I mean, it's, or, or if I see, if I see like a new podcast pop up on Twitter or like, if I see someone on Instagram talking about a podcast, like I'll listen to that, like, uh, Jake's basketball cards. I don't know if you know who he also has a podcast. Yep. Uh, yep. and I've listened to some of his episodes, like Sasha, one of my buddies who I do a podcast with, I, I'll listen to some of his episodes sometimes. So it's kind of just all when something falls onto my radar or if I have the time, like that's when I'm listening to podcasts more. Well, thanks a lot for, for taking some time to, to come and share. You know, like I said, I think you bring a different angle than a lot of the other hobby podcasts and hobby shows because of the fact that you're relatively uh, new when it comes to coming back in and, and buying and selling. And so, you know, that, that brings a different angle that I think is refreshing and interesting and it's fun for me to listen to and hear you kind of exploring and learning as you go. And so thanks, thanks for coming and sharing a little bit about what you're doing with yeah, totally. uh, my audience too. Yeah, no problem. Let everybody know where they can follow you, where they can find your content and, and that type of thing. Sure. They so want to reach out and connect. Heroes for Sale uh, on Instagram and TikTok. And then it's A Palmer Media. I, it's different on Twitter. Um, that's just because it's, it's I, I do on, on Twitter, I do like sports business stuff as well as cards. So it's kind of a combination of both. Um, so it's A Palmer Media on Twitter. And then the, the Heroes for Sale podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify. I think it should be on Stitcher, but if you don't have either of those, you can listen to it on Anchor. If you just go to Anchor and search Heroes for Sale, it's on there. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, those are pretty much the main places where I'm doing content. Thanks again. It's always a good time to be able to get a chance to talk with Adam a little bit. I enjoy his fresh perspective on cards in the card industry, and I hope you enjoyed hearing from him as well. Check out his podcast if you haven't already. Like I said, it's a little bit of a different stream of consciousness style approach to things, and, and that's a little bit different than some people do, but I really enjoy that. So, so check out his show as well. 
You can also check out the Hobby Hotline. I'm going to be hosting uh, as one of the co-hosts this Saturday. And so check out the Hobby Hotline. It's a live call-in show that we do each Saturday morning. And so I would appreciate you checking out that show. Reach out to me. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you've got any other ideas for things that you'd like me to cover on the show. You can find me at the Mike Summer on Twitter, or you can reach me by email at waxpackhero at gmail.com. That's what I have for you today. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll catch you next time.